Do you like to learn about random wild stuff? You know, the things you didn't think you needed to know about, then realize you should? Then welcome to Nothing Off Limits, the podcast that gives you one place to go for something different. Impress your next party guest with your unusual body of knowledge. And if you dig the show, please subscribe, rate, or leave me a comment. Thanks. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Nothing Off Limits. Perhaps our ability to laugh at ourselves and not take ourselves too seriously is what actually increases our spiritual growth. Now, that is a great statement that I pulled from our guest, J.P. Sears' website. And J.P. today is going to share with us how he guides people everywhere on how to do just that. But first, I want to tell you about J.P. in case you haven't already seen him all over the Internet. He is an emotional healing coach, international teacher, speaker at events, a world traveler, and a curious student of life. His work empowers people to live more meaningful lives. He presents classes, workshops, online seminars, and he leads retreats at numerous locations around the world on inner healing and growth. He's also very active on his YouTube channel, Awaken with JP, where he encourages healing and growth through his entertainingly informative and inspiring videos, including his hit, Ultra Spiritual Comedy Series. You can learn more about him and his work on his website, awakenwithjp.com. And of course, on YouTube, youtube.com forward slash awaken with JP. Check out especially the how to take a yoga photo for Instagram. I love it. It made me laugh so hard. He's also on Twitter, Facebook, all over the place. Welcome, JP. Thank you, Michelle. I'm glad to be here, and I appreciate you brainwashing the listeners <laughs> with only the good things about me. I'm glad you didn't read like my dirty laundry list. <laughs> I don't think there is any dirty laundry. That's exactly right. So now that we've got that settled, what else are we going to talk about? <laughs> I want to know what drew you to your field. What made you become an emotional healing coach and what is it? Yeah, I think ultimately what drew me into the field is uh, a, a desire to teach what I need to learn the most. I think I had to project my need for emotional healing onto the world around me and get in passionate like, wow, I want to help people help themselves heal their wounds. Uh, because I didn't have the vulnerability to say, wow, I have so many wounds that I can't even perceive and I need to heal those. So I think that fundamental need that I was in denial of ultimately led me to be passionate about uh, helping people help themselves in the emotional uh, healing world. And for me, the term emotional coaching, which I'm not super attached to, it's just a term I make up and I call that, uh, call myself that, uh, basically, what the term means for me is I, I'm a facilitator. I don't heal anybody. I don't diagnose anybody like a therapist or a counselor. And I, I'm not into treating symptoms or treating anything. I'm into uh, connecting with people and inviting them to see themselves in a way that they currently aren't and inviting them to get in touch with their feelings and their inner wisdom. So in other words, uh, I become very useless while the client <laughs> really helps themselves. <laughs> so what is your coaching style? Do you just ask questions? Is it more like, even though you say you're not a therapist, is it like talk therapy? Well, it, there's definitely a lot of talking. Uh, I ask a lot of questions, not really... Uh, necessarily logically based questions, but I am very willing to use my intuition and invite clients to use their intuition and uh, yeah, ask them questions to help them see themselves beyond their limited stories that are confining them. 
How did you get to that point where you're able to ask those right questions? Well, I think a willingness to ask the wrong questions is uh, the only way to get to the right questions. And by no means uh, do I bat a thousand percent where uh, every question I ask is just an accurate samurai sword. Of course, there's a lot of sloppy questions that aren't on target. But uh, again, I think a willingness to follow my intuition, follow hunches, you know, uh, you know some, a question flashes into my mind. I say, wow, I have no reason to ask this, but I ask it anyway. I honor the whatever airy-fairy, abstract, intuitive impulse yeah. that comes in. And uh, yeah, and, and sometimes they're right on the money, apparently. And other times they're probably right on the money, but they don't seem like it. <laughs> okay. So I have spent a lot of time watching all of your videos. And I noticed that the earlier videos were more serious in a mm-hmm. way. And so I want to talk to you about this shift that I noticed towards this humorous approach. Um, what caused you to make that shift and, and use humor instead to get some really important messages across? Yeah, you know, my words, I wouldn't call it a shift. I would say it's an addition. I still do the sincere, serious videos. They're very near and dear uh, to my heart. Yet in the beginning, first first year and a half of, I guess, the three years I've been doing YouTube, I only did the sincere, serious videos. Mm -hmm. So kind of what caused, caused the shift into an addition of also doing comedy videos I think for me, it was a rite of passage within myself of becoming more willing to be authentic on camera. And uh, there's a part of me that has a very natural, satirical sense of humor. And I would it, originally, I would suppress that, constipate that, mm. conceal it, not let it out on camera because I made up a story that said, that's bad for business. Right. Uh, if, if I'm not completely serious, then people won't take me seriously. Mm-hmm. That's scary. So I just, uh, I think the in the proverbial big picture of things, there's a lot of pain that I think we encounter, and I'll own it, a lot of pain that I encounter by rejecting myself, by not allowing me to be me. So apparently I lived long enough uh, in the pain of self-rejecting this humorous part of me uh, that I was motivated to allow it to come out. It's kind of like once we uh, encounter enough pain of avoiding ourselves, then we're willing to encounter the pain or the fear of accepting ourselves and expressing ourselves. Absolutely, that a, a willingness to be authentic and and mm-hmm. have total truth of who we are, the core of who we are, right? So were you showing this humorous approach with your one-on-one clients and then you found, gosh, like everybody gets my humor. They think I'm funny. They see the point I'm trying to make. So why not just put it out there? Yeah, uh, not a heck of a lot of humor comes out with the one-on-one clients. I mean, maybe some here or there. Yet the one-on-one client experience, it's a very intimate emotional realm. And when it's when we're in that realm, humor can actually be a deflector. It can oh. kind of lead us away from ourselves rather than to ourselves. I find humor uh, has more therape- ther- uh, therapeutic value in a bigger group setting. It's kind of like rototilling the soil so that something deeper can be planted. Uh-huh. And yeah, it, and I think how I, I mean, one, I've always had a, a 
alive sense of humor, at least what I would call humor. Other people would probably call it a demented mental disorder. For all <laughs> I know. Uh, so that's I'm right always, there with you, JP. <laughs> good. That's the strength in numbers for us. Yeah. Folks. So that's always been there. But one of the ways that I really, I think my humor refined itself. And you know, like I didn't realize it at, at the time, but it's sort of like a slow, progressive sharpening of the samurai sword against the whetstone is beginning in 2006, I started teaching for the faculty of uh, what's called the Czech Institute. They're a holistic uh, lifestyle nutrition uh, institute based in San Diego. So I would go around, teach weekend workshops for them. And like it's all great information. It was on nutrition, lifestyle, stress reduction, just like really helpful information, great information that became really boring to me. You know, <laughs> af- teaching for three days in a row and after running that workshop about 50 times, it's like, wow, I am bored with this really great information. So I, I started progressively uh, sort of finding nuances of how to uh, deliver the information, if you will, in ways that just entertained me. Mm-hmm. So I'd say something maybe ridiculous with a straight face, and I'd watch everybody stare at me, <laughs> just so confused. And and then something, and the very typical pattern would happen in class. Like the first two or three hours of the first day, everybody just you know, would stare at me blankly after I delivered a joke. And then people start to ease up because I would deliver it with a straight face. Right. And some people don't get the the humor unless it's. Yeah. Yeah. So to me, it was it was amusing to watch. Okay, a third of the class gets that they're laughing. A Mm -hmm. third of the class is just stone cold serious and think I'm a nut job. And then the middle third of the class is just straight up confused. Like, is this guy serious or is he joking? So this was partially to reduce your own boredom with teaching the material? To reduce my own boredom. Absolutely. (laughs) And I do find subtlety is something that I really love. So it's one thing to deliver, you call it a joke for lack of a more sophisticated term, but to deliver a joke while you're laughing, like that's awesome. But I love the subtlety of delivering a joke. You have a straight face and therefore it's not painfully obvious. Is this a joke or not? To me, that actually, that's just very enjoyable. Mm -hmm. I have a question for you about one of your videos. And I also want to walk through some of the ultra spiritual series that you've done. But one of them, the I don't know if I'm pronouncing this right, but ayahuasca, yeah, that video it. cracked me up so much. And there was something that you say near the end where you say this is the most sophisticated form of spirituality known to man and you've like puke all over your shirt. <laughs> so I want to know and maybe some of the listeners want to know, are you in essence saying that, you know, this is silly, don't try this thing? Or are you just making the experience clear so that people have the right expectations, you know, about what actually goes on? Yeah, I love the question. Uh, Nothing in my videos, be it ayahuasca or veganism or spirituality, nothing in my videos is really about me making fun of the subject matter. It's me shining a light, making fun of, if you will, the behaviors that surround the subject matter. So I think ayahuasca is something very powerful. And I do think it's sacred. I, I think a lot, I think everything's sacred. So 
what the video is shining the light on and highlighting, if you will, is the incredible dysfunctional behavior that oftentimes surrounds ayahuasca, where people start to use something very sacred, but they use it in an unsacred way mm-hmm. and rationalize to themselves, this is sacred because this is a sacred substance, while they're using it in a very abusive fashion, uh, peer pressuring others. In using it as a way of deflecting from themselves, I just want to have a good time. Uh, let's get blitzed out of our mind this weekend, mm. and also a, a spiritual status symbol. To me, that is very unsacred ways of using something that I think does have sacred properties to it. That's an awesome way of saying it, the status symbol aspect, mm. which I think also ties into your How to Be Ultra Spiritual video, which which actually is the reason why I reached out to you. I saw that and I was like, this man is awesome <laughs> mm. because I experienced so much of that. Would you walk us through some of the things like you just did with the ayahuasca video of what you're pointing out in terms of the behaviors of people who are being ultra spiritual Yeah, you know, in the very vague sense to begin with, people using spiritual, by the way, JP is a people. I I am guilty as charged of everything I portray in this video. So when I say people, just know like, yeah, I'm included in that. Mm -hmm. So uh, people using spiritual beliefs and spiritual practices in a way that actually degrades their spirituality. Now, the follow-up question is, JP, who the hell are you to judge what degrades spirituality? Well, I'm just going by my definition, my feeble-minded, delusional definition of what spirituality is, is wholeness. It's oneness, getting back to a sense of wholeness and oneness. So if we use our spiritual practices and beliefs in a a kind of a status symbol way, like, oh, I do yoga and I like to hang out with other like-minded people and screw those other people. I can't tolerate them. They're not high vibrational enough for me. Then we're using our, what we call spiritual practices to separate ourselves from others. And probably most frighteningly, we're using our spiritual beliefs to separate ourselves from other parts of us that don't feel very spiritual, the parts of us that feel unacceptable, they're wounded, they carry shame, we can use our spiritual rationalizations to uh, disconnect from those. Mm -hmm. And I think that disconnection, we become more separate from others and more separate within ourselves. And for me, based on my delusional fundamental definition of what spirituality is, that (laughs) absolutely is antagonistic to spiritual growth. I would call it spiritual diminishment. So Mm -hmm. for me, it's worth acknowledging anything powerful can be used for construction or destruction. And if we realize that, hell, Even our spiritual practices have a shadow side. The question is, do we have the humbleness to realize it? And can we realize that our spiritual beliefs and spiritual practices can interfere with our spiritual life? That's amazing. And what we call our spiritual life, uh, that can interfere with something that's probably way more spiritual than our spiritual life, and that would just be our life. Not just those things that we selectively call spiritual, but I think our life is the most spiritual thing we do. Whether we're sitting on the toilet, chanting, (laughs) cussing at the bills that are in the mail, whatever it is, I think what happens in our life 
is all of equal importance. Right. And you do actually, you know, shine a light on some of that in that video, denying your pain. You show mm-hmm. the humor in that. Um, the whole, like, I'm a free spirit approach, and it's a it's a way to avoid responsibilities. Oh, well, I'm just a free spirit. <laughs> so it's it's a great way to, to shine the light on all of that stuff. But I do have a, a question for you that popped up when you said, Wholeness and oneness is what real spirituality means to you. So what does that feel like? It's a great question. And I think uh, any attempt I give to answer that is a bunch of crap. (laughs) Uh, But it's not going to stop me from trying to answer it. Just know what you're about to get is a bunch of crap. You know, because anything I can say, it's my feeble human mind trying to comprehend what's incomprehensible, trying to convey in words what's beyond words. Wow, lots to think about already from our guest, J.P. Sears. But first, we're going to take a quick break to hear from Alpha Levo IQ. Uh, For more information, you can go to the resources page at ladyfoxentertainment.com or just click on the URL alphanol.com and go straight to it. But check out this advert first. Are you always reaching for that second cup of coffee? Do you constantly forget where you put your wallet? And you feel like you can't focus and are frustrated by even simple tasks? Well, stop what you're doing and listen to this. The modern man is losing brain cells every single second. According to scientists, addictive but totally legal substances like caffeine, well, they make you kiss goodbye to concentration and your ability to think with precision. It's like the whole system is gamed against you. Listen, if you want to outperform your boss, earn more money, and finally unlock your true potential, put down that cup of joe and grab some Alpha Levo IQ. Formulated with all natural ingredients like Korean ginseng root and ginkgo biloba extract, Alpha Levo IQ feeds your brain the key nutrients it needs to become more agile, more responsive, and more in tune with your intelligent needs. Visit AlphaNOL.com to find out why Alpha Levo IQ will make your cerebral life smarter in just seconds a day. That's Alpha, not Beta. NOL, like nothing off limits.com. And now back to the show. But I want to know what your definition of spirituality really is. Yeah. What have so, you found it to be for you personally? Yeah, you know, feeling like I'm connected to something greater than myself, period. And to, I say period like that, I'm going to stop talking, but now I'm here <laughs> going to keep talking. And to me, it's not a feeling, uh, you know, based on our normal five sense tangible feelings. It's not an emotion. It's not necessarily a physical sensation. But for me, it's an incredibly subtle sense of, uh, I'm connected to something greater than me. It's not an intellectual concept. We, we read a holy book or whatever and like, okay, I learned, yeah, I'm connected to something greater than me. No, it's not that logical knowledge. It's absolutely an embodied feeling. And in my opinion, just to keep it real, most of the time I don't have that. Once in a while I do. Mm-hmm. I've never met people who live in a perpetual state of truly embodying and feeling a sense of connection to something greater than themselves. I've met plenty of people that say they always live in that right. uh, state. So yeah, the uh, I think if as I'm pretending to know how to answer your question, I think that's probably the the most accurate I can 
get. Mm -hmm. Feeling connected to something greater. But for the people who are so disconnected because that shadow side of their spiritual life has taken over, how can can those people or we, I should say, because I'm guilty of it too, how can we know if we're veering off that path of true oneness? Yeah, uh, I'm not sure. However, if I was pretending to be sure, I think it's a safe bet that we are veering off the path of oneness. So I think it's maybe not a question of, uh, am I veered off the path of oneness? Maybe we just assume we are because we're a human being. And can we acknowledge when we're going back towards the North Star of Mm -hmm. a connection? Or can we also have the awareness when we're uh, leaning further out of balance and becoming more separate or disconnected within ourself? Mm -hmm. So uh, for me... uh, in a very practical sense, the more we can feel our feelings, and now I am talking about our tangible five sense feelings, uh, our emotions, the more we feel those feelings, the more I think we're in touch with the language of our soul. Carl Jung called our feelings the language of our soul. So I think our feelings, are they convey far more wisdom than our intellectual minds can comprehend. So if we're willing to be in touch with our feelings, some of them feel like crap, some of them feel painful, but those painful messengers are delivering a valuable message. Mm -hmm. And so when we talk about feelings, if there are people who have been appalled by your approach with these uh, comedy videos, what's going on there? What kind of feelings are, are the haters experiencing and why? Yeah, great question. Well, I, I certainly can't speak specifically for any given person yet generally. And actually, just this morning, I did an interview with uh, the BBC. And the, I mean, this was actually, you know, it's kind of like a, a normal reporter interview where mm-hmm. uh, they try to create conflict to make a good headline. Oh, uh-huh. You know, peace doesn't make a good headline. So, uh, one of the things they said is that, you know, is specifically they were interviewing me about the recent uh, If Meat Eaters Acted Like Vegans video yeah. uh, that I released. And they said, uh, yeah, JT, we went. great. Oh, thank you. I love you holding the meat in your hand. So they said they they took the video, uh, uh, went down to the local vegan restaurant somewhere in London, and they showed one of the wait staff the video, and they said, uh, she got offended, JP. What do you have to say about that? And, and what I said is, I would never want to interfere with someone connecting with an emotion that's inside of them, period. And I do believe, you know, it's like if if you look at a geyser, if you're National Park and you see a geyser start shooting water to the surface, that water wasn't just created then. That water's been under the surface for a while, Mm. and it's just getting triggered to come out into awareness, and we can experience it. And I do believe, probably not all, but I would guess a huge percentage of people who are offended by my videos and offended by anything else for that matter, their emotional charge of anger, sadness, disgust, usually it's not sadness, that's a pretty vulnerable emotion, but usually it's anger Mm -hmm. uh, and resentment, I don't think those emotions were created right then. I think what happens is someone 
gets they how they experience a video it reminds them of a fundamental insecurity that they still carry that they usually do their best to not uh, feel but they connect with the insecurity and typically how we react to our insecurities is with anger uh, vulnerability is how we respond to them but the knee-jerk reaction is typically anger so the emotions that come up I don't think those are emotions that are created during the four minutes they're watching the video. I'm guessing they're emotions that have been under the surface for quite a while, and they got triggered into geysering up into um, the person's awareness. Mm -hmm. So in that sense, I do believe it's therapeutic at times for people to be um, uh, upset. Uh, I don't think we can get upset about anything that we truly feel secure about. And I think there's nothing wrong with being insecure. I, I have a lot of insecurities, yet I do think our insecurities work against us when we're in denial of them. And I think they can work for us when we're willing to have the humbleness and vulnerability to acknowledge them and let them be part of us. So the last thing I'd say, I've only been rambling for 45 minutes here, Michelle. The last <laughs> I thing I'd it. say on this is, well, I do believe everything I just said. I also realize just because I believe it doesn't mean it's true. I do get curious, like, did I just make up that whole big story? And do I subscribe to these beliefs, Michelle, in order to justify uh, myself? Who knows? So I'm curious specifically about this video. What were the what do you think that that person was feeling? Um, judgment, judgment based on their their choices of how they want to eat? That's a good question. I would maybe on the surface, I would guess the symptomatic feelings is they would feel as though they're judged. I'm being disrespected. I'm right. being looked at and I'm being treated and and judged to be not as worthy as other people. Mm -hmm. And I would guess deeper under the surface, that person carries a wound of insignificance that they projected onto uh, their veganism. It's pretty funny. Anytime we use something to compensate for a deeper wound, if you try to take that something away from me, I'm going to get offended. <laughs> I'm going to feel threatened. So if you look at a bodybuilder, someone who builds 50 extra pounds of muscle on their body, and you take that away from them, they're going to feel very threatened. So I would dare say when, when a light is shined on something we use for compensation, let me build superiority over being a vegan, or let me build superiority by being a, a paleo diet eater. Let me build superiority by being a CrossFitter. Anything that we self-identify with, we might be using to build a sense of superiority in order to compensate for an unresolved wound of mm. shame and feeling insignificance. So for me, it's incredibly essential for us to uh, take off the veil shed the compensation so that we can look at what's really in our heart. It might be what we need, and it's never what we want. 
So then how does somebody on the other side of this handle it? So for example, I've experienced the folks in the yoga community who have that sense of superiority and self-righteous attitudes that uh, make me feel intimidated and almost jaded about the yoga community. How can I get past my reaction to their reactions (laughs) in order to get back to the original intent, which was to be spiritual? Yeah, in my opinion, it's easier said than done. But the easy thing I can say about that, my opinion, Michelle, is radical self-responsibility. So when we look at the behaviors of others, be they yogis or whatever they're doing, and say, wow, their attitude makes me feel uncomfortable, I think we are really bleeding out our power. We are really giving away our personal authority to other people For me, radical self-responsibility would be, okay, my experience of these yoga people is making me make myself feel jaded. So how am I I experiencing this person's behavior in a way that's making myself make me upset? (laughs) It Uh, always comes back to us. Yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong. Playing the role of the victim is the favorite pastime of people, probably including myself. And we really strengthen the power we get through the sense of powerlessness from playing the role of the victim when we make how we feel other people's fault. (laughs) What you said made me upset. Well, it's actually your own heart that generated your own emotions that your own body and mind are feeling. And that's there needs to also be a footnote here. Uh, this is not a justification for bullying. Uh, bullying uh, is, for me, there's no excuse for it. And I, I wouldn't want someone to take my words here as a way to justify bullying. Like, yeah, I treat other people deliberately like yeah. crap. I belittle them. I have fun at their expense. I make myself feel better by making them feel worse. But hey, when they feel worse, it's just It's them. their fault. Yeah. Yeah. And so That goes for we, passive aggressive people too, because I absolutely. think a lot of people do take that route where they just subtly make comments just to, purposely to push your buttons. For sure. Yeah. So I do think it's very empowering for us, radical self-responsibility, to be aware when we are in the position of a victim and the polar opposite. If we're a bully, we're in the position of a punisher. It's, It's just the opposite polarity of a victim. And I think it's very worthwhile to be aware when we are losing our power and authenticity. Uh, and our authenticity to either one of those roles, victim or the punisher. Mm -hmm. That's a lot to think about. It's a lot for us to take away today. (laughs) (laughs) At least it is for me. Um, Is there any final message that you would like to leave with the listeners, whether it's about what you're doing with your videos um, or something you just like a little nugget that you want to leave everybody with when it comes to uh, seeking spirituality, anything you like? You know, I would invite people to do your best if it feels uh, good to you, Uh, maybe even if it doesn't, but I would invite you to do your best. (laughs) Do your best anyway. Yeah, to not take yourself so seriously. Uh, I think somewhere along the line, someone made up a fictional story that said, seriousness is correlated to importance. 
Personally, I believe life is far too important to take seriously, exclusively. I think at times seriousness is a great mindset to step into, but can we step in and then step out of it? So I do believe uh, there's actually a more accurate correlation between our ability to be curious, which is the opposite of serious in my opinion. I believe curiosity is much more correlated to importance. And I think you and your life are important enough to be curious about not taking ourselves so seriously. I love that. That is the best message of the day for me, for mm-hmm. sure. JP, you're awesome. And I, I appreciate you for coming on Nothing Off Limits, for sharing your amazing thoughts, ideas, uh, wisdom. And, um, and I, I want to know what's coming up next. What's the next video? Can you give us a preview? Well, good question. I've got a bunch on my list, uh, and I'm not actually certain what the next video will be I, if I were pretending like I'm in control. Uh, <laughs> I'm sure I'm, you have a billion people on your team. Uh, well, he, I'm a, enough of a control freak that uh, You still keep largely, your foot in there? <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm guessing it'll likely be a video about life coaching. Ah, great. I've interviewed a few life coaches, so I'll be interested to see that one. (laughs) And also, I have one more question for you. This has been bothering me. I need to know the answer. How did you get that shot in the video of how to take a photo for Instagram um, of you like on the cliff and the the wave is coming? (laughs) That was just a straight up dangerous situation. And I will say we, we didn't we didn't expect that wave to be crashing so big. I, it was a little bit of a road, rogue wave. I think we had been down there for probably 10 or 20 minutes. The camera was just rolling and up came this huge wave. And uh, it was a little scary, to be honest I, with you. I mean, it was super ballsy, super ballsy. <laughs> it was either that or it was CG. <laughs> I didn't know Yeah, which. In, in the name of the principle, if you don't have at least a 50% chance of dying during the yoga photo, you have no business putting it on Instagram. So I think I was living by that principle for that photo. <laughs> yeah. I love it. Thank you again so much for your time. And um, I look forward to staying in touch with you and uh, seeing what else you got coming up for all of us. Me too, Michelle. You are absolutely delightful. And I appreciate you having me on. Have a great topic you'd like to hear discussed on an upcoming episode of Nothing Off Limits? Email us at ideas at ladyfoxentertainment.com. In the meantime, please subscribe, rate the show, and go to ladyfoxentertainment.com to sign up for our email list and to check out our resources page. Thanks so much for listening. Talk to you next time.